Remain standing, please. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm. Psalms 122. one of my favorites. I'm going to read from the New International Version. We do have notes for you as we get into the Word for today, continuing in a series called Experience Life. Here we go, Psalm 122, reading from the New International Version. Are you ready? A song of a sense of David. Whenever you're reading a psalm, you should read that. It's in the original language, Hebrew. A song of a sense of David. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. There where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Would you say that with me? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May their peace be within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. And I want you to read verse 9, our final verse, the final verse of this psalm. Let's read it all together in the New International Version. You can read it out loud if you like. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Let's say that again. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you've brought people from far and near, those that are online, those that are under the sound of my voice. I ask that you would come by your power, come by your anointing and touch us, Holy Spirit, that you would write upon the fleshly tablets of our heart, that you would fulfill and do all that you want to do in the remaining portion of this service now as your word is preached. I pray that you'd hide me behind your cross, that as these lips of clay speak your enduring word, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will endure, will remain forever. So come and breathe upon this service and let us be forever changed. Release all that's in your heart towards us, your people, towards this church, towards even the body of Christ, and we thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say hi to a, two people and say, oh, it's going to be good. Go ahead. Tell them. And then you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This is our 12th anniversary. I, I can't believe it's been 12 years. It just went by. As I get older, it seems that time is speeding up. When I was in high school and college, it seemed to take forever, but now it just seems I blink and a year goes by. Twelve years is amazing, and I, I am uh, so blessed to, to be here and pastor with this great team. The best is yet to come. Come on, somebody say, the best is yet to come. It truly is. We have entered into a time of fasting and prayer. You say, well, I didn't hear about that. I know, I didn't hear about it either until Wednesday. Um, the Lord spoke to me, and maybe He was speaking to me earlier, and I wasn't listening, but... From Wednesday to the 31st is 21 days. And so I'd encourage you to get in on some corporate prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting always go together. I'm doing some partial fasting. I'll do some full days as well. But let the Lord lead you. We are contending for a harvest of souls. That is why we're here. We're here to reach the lost at any cost. I'm so blessed to hear the, the soul count, we're calling it. Since Father's Day in June, one-on-one, -on -one, People led to Christ 
outside the church, 790-something souls outside the church. We have, now listen, we've got their names and we follow up on them. I'm not just saying, you know, we've led them to Jesus or, you know, they're, they're led to Jesus first time, but also recommitments. You know, we're all, all included. But 790 some odd souls have prayed the sinner's prayer with one-on-one -on -one people outside the church. Inside the church is, is, is another count. God is doing amazing things. The 31st of October is a high holiday for hell, for Satan. There is actually live sacrifices and all kinds of things that happened in darkness. Some of you aren't aware of that, and I would encourage you, would not encourage you, not encourage you to read up and Google it and all of that. Be, be innocent of evil and excellent at what is good. But understand and know that we are in a battle, and the darkness rages in the, in the epidemics of drug addiction. Darkness rages in, in suicide. Darkness rages across this land. And we have the answer. His name is Jesus. And, and he has given us a mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we're doing that, and we're doing these outreaches and contending. I'm telling you, we will see the church continue to double. Listen, if every person here brought somebody to church next week, and they got saved and then began to come, we would double this service now. We have a 9 o'clock service, an 11 o'clock service, and today we move to a 1 p.m. service, and I'm excited about that. Will you do your part? Will you, will you pray? Will you fast? Now, if you have a health condition, you're not allowed to fast or whatever, I don't want you going to heaven early. So you be led by the Lord. You can ask your doctor if you're under medication. I don't want anybody going, losing it on me, all right? But, but give yourself to some prayer and fasting. Believe for God to really anoint us, to put His Spirit on us is what that means, in such a way that would draw people to Christ that they would be born again. And uh, maybe you're here and you're not born again. You must be born again. If that's you, give you an opportunity at the end of the service to, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come on, somebody say amen. So God spoke to me. He said, call them to prayer and fasting. So we don't have cards. We don't have anything for you to sign. I'm just calling you to it, to a time of prayer and fasting. And uh, we have been also in a series called Experiencing Life. And I'll continue in that here in just a moment from Psalm 22. Experience Life is our new mission statement. It's the same, really, same components of what, what we've been for 35 years. But we've simplified it, and we say it this way. Experience life together with people, power, and purpose. Would you say that with me? Experience life together with people, power, and and purpose. And so we've been preaching along those lines. We talked about experiencing life. John 10 and 10 says that the thief comes, the thief, how many of you know who the thief is? The father of lies, the fork tongue, the ugly one, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full or life more abundantly. It's the gospel rolled up in one verse, John 10 and 10. And so real life cannot be experienced without God. Real life, you know, we're gonna, some of you are going to see this outreach that we do. What's so sad is these incredible performers, amazingly gifted, end up taking their lives, end up, you know, they, they, you think they have it all, the looks and the money and the giftings, and yet they end up in bathtubs losing their life, separated from family. And we don't know whether they've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I wonder about that with Whitney Houston and different ones. I wonder. But real life is experienced only by receiving Jesus and living for Him. That is the only, that's what real life is. So we preached along those lines. And we talked about experiencing life together with people. Everybody say people. Oh, snap. You say, I love church, but people, people. No, 
you know, people are unique. And how many of you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you had some challenges with people before. People are divine appointments, and sometimes they're 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 enjoyable. Other times they're revealing your offense within your mind to reveal your heart so that you can be Christ-like and turn the other cheek. You know, without a Judas, there's no crucifixion or resurrection. You had to have a Judas. Come on, somebody say thank you for the Judas. Yeah, making you more like people, 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 people. We talked about people. We talked about church in this series. We, we talked about how really a, a life that serves serving the Lord is, includes going to a community of faith, being committed to a local church. And I proved that from 1 John. Our fellowship is one with another and with Him. You cannot serve God. If you, if you serve, you say you love the Lord and you're born again, but you hate church, there's something wrong with your salvation. I got like five yeses right there. I've heard people say, no, my, my, my church is in the mountains. Yeah, my church is in the mountains too, but you can't, you can't forsake the gathering and the assembly of those who are, are the redeemed of the Lord. And so let's talk about this next, uh, this next message now, purpose, purpose. I've entitled the message, Prosperity for a Purpose. Prosperity, let's define that. It's a fascinating word. And uh, we do have notes for you. I encourage you to fill those in as we move along. And if you need a copy of those, raise your hand. A Hebrew word translated prosper has numerous meanings. To push forward, to break out, to go over, to be good, to be profitable, to prosper. To be circumspect, to be intelligent, to be wise, prudent, to go well with you. That's the, the Hebrew word there, prosper. Even shalom. Everybody say shalom. All right, look at your neighbor and say shalom to them. All right, what does that mean? Shalom can mean prosperity. It also means peace, safety, wellness, happiness, healthy. The Greek word translated means to help on the road. Has anybody ever needed some prosperity on the side of the road? I have. Flat tower, flat tire, you need some prosperity on the side of the road. The Greek word means, that means to succeed in reaching or to succeed in business or to prosper on a journey. There's numerous versions promising prosperity in Scripture. Genesis 12, verse 3, look at that with me. Genesis 12 and 3 reads, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Leave that Scripture up. This is a promise to Abraham. Now Abraham is the father of faith, and he's the father of the Jews. How many of you know that? Also the father of the Arabs. So when this says, I'll bless those who bless you, he's talking about Abraham, and he's talking about those who bless the offspring of Abraham. You know, one of, I, I don't know if you're a Democrat or Republican or where you stand politically. I'm a Christian first and foremost. Before I'm a United States citizen, and I'm proud of the United States, I love our nation. I'm contending for a great outpouring, and it's the answer to all the woes socially. It's the answer to all the violence is an outpouring of the Spirit of God and a great revival. That is the answer. Jesus, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Woo. Bob, there is no... Jesus is the way. Yeah, Jesus is the answer to America's problem. Come on, somebody say amen. When our president, and I don't know where you, what you believe about him or whatever, but I'll just tell you that when he moved... The embassy, the United States of America, to Jerusalem, something happened in America. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And it really lines up with this scripture. 
that because there's been an alignment with Israel, I'm telling you there's a blessing that's being released. And I think for other reasons, but we still have many woes. We still have an epidemic of opioids. But God's pouring out His Spirit, I believe. It's a, version, a verse of promising prosperity right there, Genesis 12 and 3. Genesis 39 and 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. What was the Lord with? Joseph. So that he prospered. Listen, I'm telling you that when God's with you, you will prosper. What does that mean? That means that you will flourish in every, read my white lips, every area of your life will be blessed. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed going out. You'll be blessed emotionally. You'll be blessed physically. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Your, your knees are prospering, sister. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is the vertigo gone also? Your vertigo, is that gone? Not yet. Lord, do the whole thing. Do the whole thing. Take away the vertigo in the name of Jesus. Thank you for healing your knees. Take the vertigo away. That's part of prospering. Somebody said, are you a prosperity church? Absolutely. Now, that's, that, there, there's been much abuse about that and manipulation with people. Don't have, Listen, don't you ever give into anything where you feel manipulated. If you feel manipulated, it's not God. You let God speak to you. Anyone says, well, if you don't give tonight, we're just going to have to throw in the towel because we're just on our last thread. But if you give to that, it's the last person I'm giving to right there. That ain't happening. Might as well throw in the towel, slick. Come on, if God be for you, who can be against you? He'll, ma he'll make a way out of no way. Come on, he'll show up himself and bring manna. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll do it, but prosperity, the blessing of God, is evident throughout Scripture. Deuteronomy 28, look there with me, verse 11. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Abund abundant. Abundance. In the fruit of your womb, that's not the fruit of the loom, that's not your, it won't grant you abundant prosperity in your underwear drawer. It's talking about the fruit of the womb, talking about your kids. How many of you got children? Come on, the fruit of your womb, your kids will be blessed because you're blessed. Now they've got to choose it too, but it is right here in the promise. Your livestock. Anybody got livestock? You can claim this. Crops at your ground. Anybody ever grow anything around here? Yeah, you can claim it. I reach my hands towards my bees and I say prosper. Verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens and the storehouses of his bounty. I have a garage that's full of stuff. I suppose that's like a storehouse. I'm looking forward to getting rid of some of it. Can you, can you imagine what God's garage looks like? The storehouse of his bounty. Buddy, that's some stuff. And he wants to pour it out on you. Look at Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. That's me. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Whoa, that's a revelation for a lot of people. God wants you blessed. God wants you to prosper so that when he looks down at... Listen, if you're irritated at me, you're the one with the problem, not me. If you want me to shut up right now because you think I'm just talking about money, you're the, one with, you're the one with a greed problem, not me. I don't have that. Am I getting up in your grill yet? Because if not, I'll press just... My wife's not on the front row, so I don't not nearly as sweet when she's not here. Somebody better call her right now. Pastor Karen better return. Feeling a little edgy. If I feel pushback, then I push back more. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, someone say, God wants me blessed. Oh, let me just slap this thing down one more time. If that's not true, why would Scripture talk about Abraham and say Abraham was very wealthy? 
And then there are scriptures that said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Listen, being wealthy is having what you need when you need it. So that you can be generous on every occasion. It's about lining your pockets and, you know, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. That's not prosperity. For God so loved the world that he gave. God wants to bless you in such a way so you can give to others. So you can be generous. I'm getting ahead of myself. But Jeremiah 29, 11, turn there. Bump your neighbor and say, woo. For I know the plans I have for you. I got to go back to Psalm 35. I got to go there. God's like, he looks down at me and he's like, oh, yes. Why? Because I'm prospering. I'm, I'm prospering emotionally. Listen, if I got any happier right now, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably run around the building. I've got joy. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got peace like a river. Come on. I'm, come on. God is good. And he looks down. And he's like, oh, that's my boy. Go, Daddy. God's happy about you being blessed. Come on, if you hear any other message, it's a message of religion and tradition. It'll bind you. Oh, it'll cause you problems. Oh, no. Poverty's not of God. Don't tell me it's of God if you can't pay your bills. Now, listen, trouble comes to all of us, but, but you can overcome, and God can make you through. John, I love that testimony. It's awesome. Come on, God's good. All right, verse 29, uh, verse 11 of chapter 29, Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I'm glad God, God doesn't want to harm me. Aren't you glad that God doesn't want to harm you? That would definitely put a hurt. So, prosperity. But God doesn't want to just prosper you. He wants to prosper you for a purpose. Purpose. God has a purpose for you. Say that. God has a purpose for me. I have done a lot of uh, study and trainings regarding counseling. There is a type of counseling called existentialist counseling. Existential therapy, pardon me. And uh, how many of you heard of that before? Existential therapy. Okay, here, let me just boil it down very simply. It was created by uh, this man whose name is Viktor Frankl. And uh, he survived Nazi death camps there in Germany. It was during his time when he was in those death camps that he learned that when people didn't have meaning in their life, that's how he, that's how he says it in a book, his book, The Search for Meaning. You can fill in your blanks out there. He set out a foundation of the way that he believes that people can be helped. They must find meaning. That is the essence of existential therapy. You must find meaning. And from finding meaning, it brings healing to you. Now, I wouldn't say it that way. I would say it a little different. But here's what, here's what he said. He saw that when people lost meaning, they lost hope. And when they lost hope, they died. But people who had meaning to their life, they sensed or they felt in their heart that there was going to be meaning out of this atrocity of the Nazis and death camps, that they lived, they would survive, they'd overcome. I would say it differently. I would give a biblical word for that, and I would say purpose. You see, if you don't have purpose, you will lose hope and you will die. You have, yes, God wants to prosper you, but it's not so you can line your pockets or buy a new four-wheeler. It's for a purpose. Now, there's nothing wrong with four-wheelers, and there's nothing wrong with having money in your pocket, but listen, God wants to bless you emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually. Come on, Ephesians says he gives us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He wants to bless you and prosper you your entire life. Why? For a purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. 
purpose. Let's look at this text. It's one of four songs, psalms, songs, another way to say that, of ascents. Ascent means to ascend, means to go up. And so three times a year, Israel would be called to Jerusalem in the festivals. It was a mandate. And so they would come. And during the time of coming, they would sing these psalms, psalms of songs or psalms of ascent. Uh, it is said to be written by David. And um, this right here is the psalm of ascent. It was believed by many to be sung or declared during the Feast of Tabernacles. And I love that first verse that said, I was glad when they said, let us go unto the house of the Lord. You know, that is a powerful scripture if you just break it down for a moment with me. You all there? Put, put that up if you can. Psalm 122. And that first verse. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced. There was rejoicing means to spin like a top. I'm rejoicing. I, when they said to us, let us go. There's, there's a picture of God's people going corporately up to worship him. And it says that there was, I was glad. I was rejoicing when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's an amazing verse of scripture. Some people are not happy about going to church. If you're not happy about going to church, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Like Even if you've experienced death or difficulty or pain this week or disappointment, you know, welcome to being a human being. But going to the house of the Lord, something ought to stir within you that you get to, you get to freely come before him and worship him and lift up your hands and hear the word and have fellowship one with another. David said, I rejoiced. When they said to me, let us go, there's this fellowship picture, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Jerusalem was the center of government and the place where the house of the Lord was, the place where the temple was. Wow. And this is the only place, this psalm right here, the only place where, you, where it says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You won't find that anywhere else in Scripture. In, in Jeremiah 29, in verse 7, they're in captivity, and watch this. It says in verse 7 of Jeremiah 29, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I was talking to somebody not long ago, and they said, America, if God doesn't set America on fire, he's going to have to repent for Sodom and Gomorrah. That if God didn't set America on fire and judge America for all the atrocities, of which there are many, then he would have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, some of you want to say, well, amen. Well, uh, you're not, thank God you're not God, and thank God that guy wasn't God either. I, listen, you live in America. So you pray for God's judgment to fall. You're living here. Just remember that. Remember that you're living under this thing in America. Now, you, you pray for God to bless our country. You pray for God to bless the president. You pray, you pray for God to bless President Trump. You pray for God to, to bless the former President Barack Obama. You pray for God to bless our nation, the senators, the congressmen. You pray for God to bless this nation because you live here. Pray for God to prosper our country. Pray for God to pour out His Spirit on our country. Pray for God to, come on, God bless America. Don't shrink back beside her and guide her from above. 
the mountains, to the prairies, oops. Why with foam, God bless America, come on, my home, come on, sing it, sweet home, America, my home, sweet home, God bless our nation, pray for that, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for God to bless our country. Come on, someone say amen. God is speaking to us through this psalm. First of all, A, the church is the gathered people of God and a temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is a gathered people of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, when you become a Christian, it's God's intention for you. It's God's intention for you to become part of a local church. That's God's plan. He said, well, I don't like the church because there's people that are mean there. There's people mean everywhere. So, well, I can't believe that my car got broken into a church. Well, believe it, because sinners come to church. Some say, I ain't going to church, a bunch of hypocrites. You a hypocrite too, you know it is. You know you are. Where else should a hypocrite go? They should go to church so they get healed and delivered. You ever heard that one? I ain't going to church. There's hypocrites up at that church. Listen, I'll just tell you right now, if your car's not locked, I would lock it right now. Cheap, cheap. Yeah, lock it. Why? Because there's all kinds of people that come to church. Listen, we're a hospital. Come on, we're, we're like a rehab. We're an outpost of heaven where everyone can come, the rich and poor and the lame, the halt, the withered, the blind, the sick, the addicted, the afflicted, and everything in between. That's what the church is. A gathering place where people can get, give their hearts to Christ and become disciples. Somebody, someone said to me, if you don't have cigarette butts out front of your church, you ain't doing nothing. There's lots of cigarette butts out there. Somebody say smoking bad is certainly and good for you. Surgeon General's told us that. Somebody say smoking take you to hell. I have heard an argument that it can because it's addiction and, and an idol. But then again, does drinking coffee take you to hell? I'm not. No. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I felt the Holy Ghost right there. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think smoking takes you. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You, you know. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to poison your body. Anyway, not sure about smoking, whether it takes you to hell, but it certainly makes you smell like you've been there. <laughs> Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 as we talk about the gathered people of God becoming a temple. See, the church. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. You're in the house of the Lord today. Ephesians 3 and 6 this mystery, oh no, Ephesians 2, 19, pardon me. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. Now he's talking about us. He's not talking about a building, he's talking about people are joined together whole building joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, you're not only redeemed by the Lord and he comes to live inside your heart. And so you're a citizen and no longer a foreigner and not separated because of the blood of Jesus and because you've repented and received him as your Lord and Savior. 
but you actually become part of the body of Christ, part of the church. And that literally the giftings and, and, and grace that he's put on you, when we come together, we make up his body. I don't know if you've ever had a sprained wrist or maybe you broke a finger or something, but it's hard to do the kind of work that you were doing with your hands when your fingers broke. The body of Christ has been, has been limping around because people don't commit. They, they, they bounce around from one church to the next or, or they don't go at all. They go, my church is in the mountains and I'm just going to serve God in the mountains. No, you need to become part of a body. And literally what that's saying are you saying that everybody needs to be a part of a church? Yes. There's a lot of great churches. This is my favorite church. I'm going here. You know, you ought to think about it. You, you ought to feel that way about the church that you go to. Oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost, so I'm just going to take a swipe at it because Pastor Karen is still not here. I heard somebody say, no, I'm a, my church is just so dead. I ain't, I, 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 I'm going to go because, because the Lord told me I'm going to change it. Well, I commend you. I I mean, maybe you're a stronger Christian than I am. I, I couldn't go to a dead church. And listen, listen, things happen by going to places where there's ungodliness and stuff. You say, well, I'm going to change it. Well, unless you get in the kitchen, pretty hard to change the food. Well, you, can, you can reach your hands towards the, the chef to make a different burger. And if you're still using hamburger helper, buddy, that is not nearly as good as grass-fed beef. Come on, somebody said Amen. I mean, it's almost, almost lunchtime. you got to be a part of a local church. Ephesians 3 and 6. So literally what it's saying is that when we gather together as his people in one place, under a tent, outside, wherever we are, the power of the Holy Spirit does something here that cannot happen in your prayer closet. We become the dwelling place of God by spirit, the nios of God. Now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit too. But in, in reference to this context of what it's saying, it's saying the church is the dwelling place of God. Ephesians 3.6, you can read that. Ephesians 3.10, you can read that also. The house of the Lord. Every church needs three things, all right? We're, we're right there in your notes. They need the anointing. They need what? The power of God. You need the power of God to fulfill vision. In fact, let me say this. Every church, every business, whatever God's called you to, you need three things. You need God's power. If you could do it on your own in your own strength, well, then that's probably not the vision that God has for you. There's so many impossibilities that we've faced over the years. <laughs> I see that steel going up. I have a hard time not weeping. I stand on the property, and I just sit there, and I cry, and I go, well, I saw this a long time ago. I saw this years ago, and now I'm actually seeing it. You know, it's not faith anymore once you see it. I don't have to have faith for the few columns and the beams and the, and the, the, the bays that have been put up because they're already up. I do have to have faith for the rest of the 73,000 square feet. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The anointing, you need God's power, you need people. Everybody say people. People. God's giving us people. God's giving us people. He'll give you people. A vision from God requires people. And the third thing is you need money. You need money. Money's just a tool. You can't serve both God and money. Actually, the, the, the New King James, King James says a little bit better in the book of Matthew chapter 6. You can't serve both God and mammon. Mammon, it's a, it's a spirit, really. It's the spirit of the world on money. Prosperity is for a purpose, that God's work will expand in the world. Come on, somebody say amen. 
That's why God will bless you. Why? So that you could point to Jesus and tell him, this is why I'm blessed, because I serve God, because I love God. He did it. Not because you're all handsome and sharp and gifted and, and or, or pretty and all that. Praise God, you got that. But that's even a gift from God. Come on, somebody say amen. How to prosper for a purpose. The first thing is, as we apply this message, of faith. Of what? Of faith. Confident assurance of what you cannot see. It's quite a thing to settle in your heart that God wants to bless you and that God wants to help you. You've got to settle it. God is not trying to beat you up. God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. He does. And why? For a purpose of expanding his kingdom. But you've got to have faith. You've got to have a confidence. Come on. Now faith is, Hebrews 11, now faith is confident assurance of what we cannot see. You've got to settle in your heart that God wants to bless you to expand his kingdom. Say it. God wants to bless me to expand his kingdom. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to prosper for a purpose. I'm going to prosper. And the purpose isn't your greed. The purpose is to reach the lost. We will plant churches all over this God-loving state. We will, we will, we will close in on these 100 villages that have no churches, we will put churches there, along with the help of whoever wants to help. We will plant churches everywhere God tells us, I need more pastors, I need more leaders, I need the King's School of Ministry to fill with people, I need to send out missionaries and evangelists, I wanna see God's power come upon business people. Come on, God could prosper and bless your business so huge that you could fund one of those churches. You could fund a church plant. Somebody thinks that this, there's folks that think the lights stay on by like some miracle power of God because we serve the Lord. No, they stay on because we pay a light bill just like everybody else, and he uses the likes of us to do it, pay those bills and release it through the tithe and giving and so on and so forth. Work hard. Everybody say work hard. Work hard. Oh, no, sorry. Be generous. It's, it's two. Be generous. Learn to be generous. I was saying my wife is, is very generous uh, with her food especially. And one of the joys of being married, some of the gentlemen in the house might understand what I'm about to say. I am not generous with my food. In other words, uh, in fact, I have to be corrected occasionally by taking somebody else's portion in my house. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, you know, there's, there's four cupcakes and I, would, I want two, you know. But there's one for every member of the family, but I want two. And a while back, I tried the argument of uh, it was a proportion to weight. So I was bigger, and I weigh more, and so I should be fed more food. And uh, anyway, that didn't work so good. But one of the great joys of being married to my beautiful wife is that when we, when we go out to restaurants, we're sitting there eating, I'll finish my meal or my steak or whatever I'm eating, and then I kind of get two entrees. You know, sometimes we get the same thing. Actually, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm maturing, I'm finding that I'm splitting entrees. That's, that's a kind of a scary thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You start splitting entrees all the time? Yeah, some of, you, some of you folks know what I'm talking about. I start splitting entrees. Yeah, so we like order one entree because, anyway. I like when I get finished with my food and then I'm like. <laughs> and she's always giving me her portion. She's so generous. I, I, will, I like never do that. <laughs> Come on, you want to be a generous person with your whole life. For God so loved the world that he He's a generous God. You want to be like him. I think I'm feeling convicted. Lord, forgive me. Look at C. Work hard. Everybody say work hard. I was at a, at a conference and uh, praying over a group of people, uh, uh, families, and I came to this one family as I was praying and prophesying over them, and there was a young man who was 20, about 21, 21 years old. And um, 
He just really looked heavy and depressed and, and tired, very tired, scooped out under his eyes. I didn't know if he had a drug problem or what. Uh, so I go to pray over him. And so I said, well, uh, tell me what's going on, young man. And he says, oh, nothing. I said, okay. Uh, how old are you? He says, I'm 21. I said, okay, what do you do? Nothing. I said, do you work? No. I said, oh, where do you live? And he looks over. His parents are standing there. I live with my parents. I look at them, and they're like, I go, okay, you live at home? You're 21? I said, are you sick? No. I said, do you, you, don't, you don't work? You, you have a job? No, no. Are you disabled? No. Well, I said, well, what do you do? What do you mean, he said. I said, well, what do you do all day? Oh, I stay at home. I said, you stay at home. What do you do when you stay at home? I play video games. I was just like, oh, wow. Karen wasn't there either. I said, man, you don't, you don't want the word I'm about to give you. I'm going to give you anyway. I said, you lazy, good for, no, I, I didn't go that hard. But I said, you got issues. What if you're 21, you don't look real good, and you're playing video games, and you live under your mom and dad's roof. I've got news for you. God's got a better life for you than that. You need to get a job, son. Get a job. Get to work. Get to work. Everybody say work. work. Yeah, he wasn't feeling all warm and fuzzy. It wasn't like any tears running down. He's like, shut up. And I told the parents, I said, you ought to ride an agreement and drop kick his blessed assurance right on out of the house and send him on down the road to get a job. You see, some people don't realize that Jonah's on board, and because Jonah's on board, you're in a big storm, and your boat's going to sink. You need to lovingly dropkick Jonah right off the boat. Well, that went over real good, praise God. Now, I'm not talking about disabled, hurting, broken, people that have been through storms, people that need comfort and help. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who's willingly choosing to be apathetic, lazy, not get a job, not clean around the house, not pray for any bills, and expect mom and dad just to take care of it. That will never happen in my, where's Daniel? He knows. It ain't ever going to happen. It will never happen in my house. Why? Because I see it as sin. Some folks get so codependent that God wants to bless that person, but you continue to try to cover them because you feel guilty about the way that you raised them or you feel guilty about what happened in your family growing up and those own wounds within you. I'm preaching better than you're amening. The wounds on your inside, your own, or you won't discipline them because you, maybe you were abused. And I understand that. And I'm sorry that happened. But God can heal you of that. But you need to learn to get some backbone with kids. Don't let people run over you. you got to train your kids. You get, there's excellence on the inside of them. God didn't create them to play video games and their eyeballs falling out their head and then end up like, wonder what's happening. No, he created you for work. Work is a good thing. Everybody say, get a job. Yeah, work hard. And again, there are disabled people. And I'm not talking about that. Well, hallelujah, it's uh, 1232. And God's still on the throne. Look at, look at the next point. Expose evil in your life and repent. I pray this every day, nearly, nearly every day. Keep me, deliver me from temptation. Keep me from evil. That's the, the Lord's prayer. Listen, pray that God will expose anything in your life that's hindering the blessing of God. A stronghold is a set way of thinking, a mindset that's contrary to truth. 
When you see in God's word that he wants you blessed, he wants you to prosper, he wants you to increase, he wants you to grow, he wants you to be healthy, he wants you blessed, blessed. He wants you to prosper for a purpose. When you see that, and then you see your life that might not line up with that in different areas, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Now, for this family, they were suffering greatly because they were allowing their 21-year-old to dictate, I mean, eating all the food, eat the fridge out, he just, you know, sitting at home, fattening himself, you know, watching TV and video all the time. I mean, it was defiled at that. I saw pornography. I saw all kinds of stuff. And the parents are loving God and allowing that to take place because they don't, they don't want their son to go through a hard time. Are you kidding? He's going to end up in hell. What do you think you're doing? Take a stand, for goodness sake, and begin to lovingly, you can smile, you can do it with love, and then don't back off. Set a standard and lovingly allow them to find a place to live and learn to get a job. But repenting, asking God to show you if there's any evil, and repent, look at, look at the next point. Seek the Lord and live righteously. God wants us to seek Him. To live righteously before Him. Come on, someone say amen. And to be a servant. Look at F. Read the Word and live by it. You know, this week I, I, I've started an aggressive reading plan in YouTube, and I'm almost done. Please. version. Uh, how many of you got version? It's, it's a, an app on the phone. And so I love it because it's got this self, you know, it'll read to me. And so I've got times where I study. I studied Psalm 122. There's so much in here, I'm, I'm scraping the surface. But times where I just read the Word and hear the Word, and it, it's, it's more devotional. I'm not, I'm not going after the Greek and, or the Hebrew and digging that thing out, but it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will just speak to you things. There's de, it's like a devotional reading. It's not so much study. I, I, the other day I, was, I had time and I was off, and I, I, I think it was 27 chapters I listened to out of the New Testament. By the time I finished the 27th chapter, I felt like I swallowed a bomb. I felt like I was a nuclear reactor on the inside of me. I felt big. I felt strong. I felt anointed. Something was swirling on the inside of me. It's like, man, I ought to read 30 chapters every day. It just did something. Some of you don't even read one. I challenge you, if you'll get in the Word and begin to read the Word, it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. You get the Word down in the city of your soul. You'll begin to rise in a God-given, blood-bought right and begin to exercise power and authority over darkness in your life. I'm telling you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah, and some of you, you're, you're, you're weak in your faith because you're not spending any time in the Word. I think I got one amen over here somewhere. Everybody say pray. pray. Talking about how to prosper. You do these things. You pray, read the word, and live it. Read the word and live it, and pray. And have a lifestyle of it. You know, I spent some time with some more senior saints over this past trip that I was just on. And they're just, there's something about, there's something about heaven in them. You spend time with them, it almost looks like, some of you might know what I'm talking about. You spend time with them, it's almost like they can look through you. There's something of Jesus on them, 50, 60, 70 years or whatever, serving God. Their speech, seasoned with Scripture. It's just amazing. I'm telling you, God wants to bless you. Why? For a purpose. What purpose? Expanding His kingdom. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and receive this.
offering towards our building project. Ushers, thank you. This is the final Sunday of receiving our vision offering. We've been doing it for three Sundays in a row, aligned with uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Three times a year, we receive a special offering all during the feast, Passover, Feast of Tabernacles. Just like the three feasts of Israel. And so we're going to do that now. Uh, I am uh, going to be getting some new chairs. We need to finish our whole building. There's lots of expenses there. We do have some overruns, which happen with a large project like that. How many have been praying for a project? Okay, it's not enough. Will, 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 will you pray? Will you, will you please pray? Everything is good. You'll see the steel going up. I got pastors and people calling me. I see the steel going up. I'm like, I know. Hallelujah. And soon we will move over there in the grace of God. And you're giving. Don't listen. You say, well, I don't, I don't have much to give. Well, I will tell you that little becomes much in the hand of God. A little, the, the boy with a sack lunch said, there's 5,000 people to be, set, to be fed. And the boy with the sack lunch said, you can have my two fish and my five loaves and two fish that was his lunch his mama made him a brown bag lunch and he gave it to Jesus what did Jesus do he fed 5,000 people how do you do that he multiplies it when if every one of us will just do our part and you are you are doing your part and I'm challenging you to continue you sow a seed today my wife and I are or my wife and I are going for it ourselves you sow a seed this morning and let's believe for a great increase to see this building done. Going to buy some new chairs. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, "There's people are sick and sitting on the plastic chairs, and your other chairs don't represent the vision, don't represent me. You need to do something about it. And I thought, oh, shoot. Okay. So we started looking for chairs. We made a decision. And I had a friend of mine call me randomly, an evangelist, and said, man, God just spoke to me to sow a seed of $16,000 and use them for your chairs. Randomly, that doesn't happen. That, that is very, is rare. It's rare that an evangelist will call and sow a seed. Come on. Ushers, would you help us out? Let's believe. All right? Now, don't get all bent because I'm taking an extra offering. Paul said, said to the Romans in chapter 15, I'm passing through so I can receive an offering from you to help me on my way to Jerusalem. It's, it's okay. Don't be manipulated either. Give into the vision. If you feel like the Lord doesn't want you to give, well, don't give then. That's okay. It's all right. The little boy gave his sack lunch, and a sack lunch fed 5,000 people. Just depends on whose hands it's in. And if it remained in that little boy's hand, it would just have been a sack lunch. But when it got into the hand of God, when it got in the hand of Jesus, boom, he multiplied it and fed thousands. Just depends whose hand it's in. Many times you can sow a seed and see a hundredfold return. I've seen it in my own life. I'm believing God even now as I sow my seed today here that God's going to multiply. Amen. Anybody like golf? Ben, you like golf? I'm okay golfer. So I don't know. Okay, I'm all right. Like, I like a little over 100. It'd be like an act of God if I got under 100. You know, uh, the Lord is really with me when I'm under 100. That's, I, I don't remember when that last happened. But I don't play golf all that often. When I was a kid, I used to sink putters into the green. That's not good. I had anger problems. I mean, you know, you see somebody playing golf, and they're like, man! They bury the putter this deep into the green. You know, he probably shouldn't be playing golf. Or throwing clubs. This before I got saved. Don't look at me like that. I did the same thing with tennis racket. You put a, you put a golf club in my hand. It's like not that big a deal. But you put a golf club in Tiger Woods' hand. That's a serious game of golf right there just depends on whose hand it's in.
was painting my house and fixing some things and I hit my thumb, which is like, I don't know, I seem to always do that whenever I pick up a hammer for a length of time. Hammer and nails in my hands is nothing, but a hammer and nails in the hands of Jesus is salvation for the whole world. It just depends on whose hand it's in. Come on, we're going to release this to God. Would you come? Ushers, would you come, please? Let's go ahead and give into the vision. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've anointed us. You're prospering us for a purpose, and it's expanding the kingdom. We've far outgrown our building, and we ask, Lord, now that you would breathe upon this time as people sow seed and bring forth even a hundredfold blessing for each and every one. Lord, thank you that we are being prospered for the purpose of expanding your kingdom, not for our own greed, but to expand your kingdom as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. Now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You meet me for your glory. You meet me for your glory. rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me bless you. Holy Spirit, I pray you fill and touch and break every bondage, every chain, every curse. Release your power upon these, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And God, bring us back tonight for a powerful, revelatory Psalm 127 to see transformation in families in our community. I thank you for what you've done now in this second service and what you'll do at the 1 o'clock that starts in 17 minutes. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight.